Hey, man, it's great to have all of you, as I said before, uh, as we opened up. Thank you so much for choosing this day to be with us. I know that you're going to be blessed. Um, We're going to get right into part two of the struggle is real, okay? The struggle is real, all right? We all have struggles, right? Yeah, yeah, we've all had struggles. Either you're going through a struggle or you've just been through a struggle, or I hate to tell you this, but guess what? You're about to go into a struggle, all right? Struggles stink. I don't like struggles. You know what? We're creatures of habit. We often don't like for things to interrupt our lives, do we? Okay, that's great. No, we don't, all right? We don't like for things to interrupt our lives. We're creatures of habit, you know? You wake up in the morning, you go to the bathroom, you know, you, 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 you go, you do your coffee thing, you sit down, I'm hoping you do your devotional and your prayer, and then you get yourself ready for your day, then you're heading out to work, you're doing work, you're having lunch, you're going back to work, you're coming home, you're spending time with family, you're having dinner, you're gearing down, you're watching your favorite TV, you're either getting a shower, you're getting ready for bed, and you boom, you start it all over again. But oftentimes, there's interruptions, and those interruptions are what I like to call struggles, and those struggles speak volumes to us many times. Those struggles are clear to us that a lot of times, God is trying to get our attention about something. God's best is often delivered through our hardest tests. Think about that for a moment. God's best is often delivered through our hardest tests. In other words, meaning this, the struggles that you despise, the very things, the hardships that you go through in life, the very things that are trying to maybe distract you from what God has intended for your life, oftentimes are things that God has set up to bring your attention to him so that he can then deliver his best to you. I don't like that scenario. I don't. I can't stand that scenario. I don't like it when I have to go through a struggle in order for God's best to come out. Why can't God just do it? You know what? Boom, I'm going to give you the best, and that's how it is. You know, why has he got to make this thing so difficult? Well, maybe because we're so difficult and stubborn-minded individuals. You know, I look at it this way. I I see my kids. You know, I bring my kids into everything. Every sermon, I mention them somewhere along the way. It's just how it is, all right? They're my life. But, you know, I look at my kids, and if I gave them everything, you all need to pay attention to this. If you give your kid every single thing, because they're about to have a child in October, am I right? All right. What date? The second, one day away from your birthday. That's awesome. Now I always remember. All right. So if you give your child everything they ever want, the moment they ask for it, they're going to become nothing but a spoiled-minded brat. Sorry. That's just how it is. That's exactly how. Some of you are just like that, aren't you? No, don't admit to that. You're not supposed to admit to that, right? But if God ever, if he gives us everything we want, every time we say a prayer, exactly according to the agenda and the timing that we expect it to happen, all we come become is spiritually spoiled brats. In other words, we become extremely ungrateful. We don't appreciate. We don't, we're not thankful for anything. And watch this. You don't find value in what you have. I look at my kids and, and uh, 
especially the six-year-old now, he's really got a lot of wants. A lot of wants. The three-year-old kind of just goes with life. He's just like, whatever. But the six-year-old, we go to Walmart. What can I get? We go out, you know, we go out to Salisbury. What can I get? We go out somewhere. What can I get? What can I weasel out of mom and dad today? And even though it's hard sometimes, but also very easy at other times, sometimes you just have to say, no. No. You're not going to get that. In my mind, I might be thinking you will get it later on when it's in my timing and how I want you to get it. But right now, no. And you need to deal with that and you need to understand it. Sometimes we look at the struggles that we're going through in life. And if you recall, we looked at last week the struggle of waiting. Nobody likes to wait for anything. You know, I couldn't wait for my kids to be born. Now I go, wow, why didn't I just take my time? <laughs> you know, that's awful. That's a bad dad. You know what I mean? That's just, that's completely ridiculous. But, you know, we, we don't like to wait. You don't like, to, I, I mean, some of you might be, my wife is extremely patient. She waited for me for perfection for a very long time. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm almost perfect, but not quite. But we don't like to wait for things. I mean, think about this for a second here. You know, I, I, my son, who's six years old, he's got this, he's already ready for his Halloween costume. It's the first week of August. I'm not looking forward to the Halloween costumes yet. You know, in fact, growing up in my home, I'll just tell you, we did not do Halloween costumes. It was just, you know, well, anyway. I always said, you know what, I'm going to let my kid enjoy a little bit of life. But anyway, so some of you just tuned me out right there. I know it. I just lost you completely. I'm sorry. Just forget I even said it. But, you know, and so he's like, I want I, he, Star Wars. He wants, one minute he wants to be a stormtrooper. The next minute he wants to be a Jedi. You know, and he can't make up his mind. But what happens is he gets very frustrated. Because he's like, Dad, let's get on, let, Daddy, let's get on the internet so we can buy what I want. And then he'll, and he, he knows how to do it himself. He gets on there and he'll find what he's looking, I don't know, he don't know how to spell, but it miraculously shows up on the iPad. I don't know how it happens. It's crazy. But anyway, so he'll go, I want this, I want this, and I'll say, no, not now. No, not now. When it, tears, you know, oh, uh, you know, the end of the world, uh, you know, whatever. You just want to, mm, you know. And you little ungrateful thing, you know, and you go through that. And then, you know, it's a day later. Daddy, I want to get this. And now it's not a stormtrooper costume. Now it's the Jedi costume. Well, I look at him. I'm like, well, good thing I didn't buy the stormtrooper costume because now you want the Jedi costume. And he goes, oh, you mean you buy that now? Are you following me? We don't like to wait. We're geared not to wait. And but what we don't realize is sometimes waiting is those moments where God does his best in our life. You know, we go through those waiting periods of our lives and we ask questions well, like, how did this happen? Why am I going through this? How in the world, why? And, and the blame game and, and all of these things. And we push all this stuff on, on why we're waiting and, and we get frustrated. And so what we're doing is, is we're wasting our wait. In other words, I believe that God puts us through a waiting season for a reason. Same as why I put my children through a waiting season for a reason. One of those reasons is so they can appreciate what they're going to get later on. I don't know why God might be having you in a waiting season right now. And what I mean by that is we all have promises. We have 
things that we, maybe God has revealed to us that he's going to do in your life. Things like uh, maybe you're single and you're looking for a spouse and you're going through that waiting season. I get that. I understand. Maybe you don't have children and you're trying and God's got you going through that waiting season. Maybe you're not happy in the job that you're in, but you know that God has promised you another career down the road. So he's got you in a waiting season right now. And so we get very frustrated in the waiting seasons because we seem to think that God's not moving in our behalf. In other words, God shut the book on our life and is saying, now you have to deal with it. But that's not the case. In all actuality, what our mentality needs to be during the waiting season is, God, what are you trying to do in me? God, what are you trying to teach me? God, what are you trying to speak to me about right now? God, what is it that I need to change in my life? What are the lessons that I need to learn right now in order for me to take this waiting season and make it a productive season of my life? We're going to get right into this week the struggle of releasing. Releasing this, releasing concerns, releasing stress. Anybody need to release some stress? How about worry, right? Releasing worry. How about this anxiety, all right? The struggle is real. Stress is real. Anxiety is real. Worry, these things are real. It's kind of like um, you go grocery shopping, you know, you come home, and you lift up the back hatch of the minivan, all right? I'm not happy about the minivan, until we get something else that you're going to hear nothing positive about the minivan. We're not getting anything else, are we? No. You pop the hatch up of the minivan and you see nothing but stacks and stacks of Walmart bags. Loads and loads of Walmart bags. So what do I do? Any guy in here will tell me what you do in this moment. You've got them lined up your arm. You've got them around your neck lined up the other arm, up another leg, you use this leg to hop back into the house in. Am I right? And then you look, and there's a 24 case of water. And you're like, how am I going to get that in? What we don't understand sometimes is you are carrying a lot of load in your life. A lot of unnecessary things. A lot of things that, 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 that for instance, like death. We've already briefly discussed that this morning. Conflict, marriage, deadlines, legal issues, job loss, divorce, a new job, retirement, money problems, illnesses, parenting, peace of life, the pace of life, expectations of others. In other words, you feel like that you are doing nothing but performing for everyone else. Unresolved sin. What are the things in your life that you're carrying right now that are causing you the worry, the concern, the anxieties? What are those things that have become your God in your life? Those things that are trying to be that struggle. Those things that are causing you to be in that waiting season. It's no secret that things weigh us down. Caring too much can actually... Kill what God is trying to do in our life. Carrying yourself in, in the sense of this, you've got weight 
that life adds. In other words, like deadlines, bills, busyness. You know, once a month you sit down and you go ahead and do your bills, and that's always the worst part of the month, isn't it? You sit there and you go, oh, we had this. And after about 10 minutes, we have this. That's a worry. That's a concern. That's an anxiety that mounts on us. How about you've got weight of what others add onto you? Parenting. Hey, being a parent's not easy, is it? It's not what it's all cracked up to be. Sorry, it re- it's cool though. All right? <laughs> but you've got these lives that are completely dependent upon you. And you look at it and you're like, wow, that's, there's a lot of problem. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of worry. There's a lot of anxiety there. You want to be the good example. You know, the weight of, of others, you know, coworkers, people with expectations of your life, of what you're supposed to do, how you can help them out. You carry a lot of weight sometimes. If you're on the job, you know, coworkers become not the best counselors, but they just become counselors a lot, don't they? Because you're close to those people day in and day out. So what do you do? You confide in them and you talk to them. And you give your problems to them. And what does that coworker do? Eventually begins to carry the burden on you. How many burdens of others are you carrying on in your life? These are things that we're carrying into our homes. These are things that we're carrying into our own spiritual lives. And then we look at ourselves and we wonder why we're so full of anxiety and worry and concern. You've got the weight of what you add. Goals and expectations. We all have goals, we have expectations, we have objectives that we are trying to meet. And we have created a timeline, or rather a deadline of when they're to be accomplished. How many know your deadline and God's deadline are two different stories? They're two different things. And especially with the promises and the dreams that maybe God leads us and gives us in our life. If they're not met when we think they should be met, And God's agenda or timing doesn't line up with ours. What does it create? More anxiety, more pressure, more concern. Individually, no one thing is too much. But collectively, the weight becomes overwhelming. Scripture in Psalms 34, chapter 19, says this. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. I want to stop there for a minute. Please keep the scripture up. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. What is this? In in other words, what, what is this kind of saying to us? You need to look at the word afflictions there for a moment. Because here's what they did. The psalmist is portraying a little bit here and, and giving a great example. And that we're going to use this morning. But what they would do back in this day uh, when, when this scripture was, was being brought. Is that they would go ahead to torture people. They would lay them down. And this is one of the ways they would do it. They would take a rock and place it on them. Now, that doesn't seem like much. And pretty much anyone could handle a rock being placed on them. The problem becomes is they place that rock and then they place another rock. And then they place another rock. And then they place another rock. And then another one. Until eventually the person is literally crushed to death. Does that sound familiar? Maybe some of us in this room are actually in that position right now in our lives. Where we are becoming crushed to death. We are in such 
so much weight is on us that, you know, it's okay, maybe I have to deal with a, a, a parenting issue, but then you take the parenting issue with a marital issue on top of a job-related issue, on top of a friends-related issue. Are you seeing what I'm getting at? All of a sudden now, the struggle becomes so very real. And the problems of our life, what do they do? They begin to weigh us. They begin to weigh down on us. They begin to affect us. Caring concerns crushes this, my physical health. Your body wasn't designed to handle anxiety. In fact, and, and even before getting into this message, I, I had read a study on this already, but most doctors said that most people could leave the hospital if they would learn to get rid of worry and anxiety. They're making themselves physically worse just by their mental state. Where are you right now mentally with your worry and your anxiety and your concerns? Are they bearing down on you? Is it becoming something so heavy that you can barely even get yourself up out of bed in the morning? Is it so heavy that you can barely open the word of God? Is it so heavy that you even lost all interest in spending time in prayer? Is your worry and anxiety causing you physical health? Caring concerns crushes my purpose. In other words, when I'm stressed, my life loses meaning. Many have moved from enjoying life to just simply enduring it. Moving away from enjoying it, but what? Enduring it. I don't want to show a hands, but how many are just enduring your marriage? You had lost enjoyment a long time ago. How many of you here are enduring a job? You lost that enjoyment of the new thing a long time ago. How many of you have lost, in, you're just enduring friendships. You lost that enjoyment a long time ago. The weight of anxiety and concern, one by one by one. What does it end up doing? But literally crushing the life, crushing the purpose Understanding that God has designed you with a specific purpose. He's designed you to reach goals and to fulfill promises and to fulfill callings that he has for your life. But instead, we allow worry and the concern and anxieties to mount and to mount and to mount and to mount. And right now you're thinking, well, pastor, what are we supposed to do? You don't understand with everything that comes my way. We're going to get into it in just a moment. Caring anxiety crushes your relationship with God. When you are under stress, you are more likely to sin. And your relationship with God is to feel distant. If you recall, several weeks ago, I think five weeks ago now, we talked about the opportune time. The opportune time for what? The opportune time for Satan to attack us in our life is when we are most stressed and under the most anxiety and the most physically and spiritually exhausted. What we are allowing by carrying so much, kind of like the groceries, and we're voluntarily doing this, understand. We're, and you're going to understand why that for that in just a moment. But we're voluntarily carrying these anxieties and worry and concerns. And what it is, it's beginning to crush you spiritually. And in every relationship that you have. You know, I look past in my, in my life 
in the, in the past seasons and even in the most recent. And I can see where worry and anxiety and concerns had affected or have affected me. Where it kind of sucks the life right out of you. You guys, you're, you're like, Pastor, this is not the most uplifting message this morning. You know, in fact, you're causing me anxiety right now. Creating habits that are not appropriate or healthy for their lifestyle that God expects us and wants us to live cause worry, anxiety. I love this in Psalm 34, 19. It says this. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but watch this. But the Lord does what? He delivers him out of them. What? All. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. You know, it's not God's intention for you to have sleepless nights. It's not God's intention for your mind to continually be racing. That's not his intention for you. It's, you know, he's wanting to take the concerns off of us. I love this scripture in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. It says this. Cast all of your care upon him because he cares for you. It says, casting all your anxiety, casting all of your cares on him, right? Because he cares for you. Now, this is frustrating. This scripture ticks me off. Because I don't know how many times and how many different services where I've come to an altar and I've given my problem to God I've casted my problem to God. And I said, God, here is my issue. Now I need you to deal with it. I don't know how many times that, that in my devotional times, or forget devotional times, just in the spur of the moment throughout the day when the pressures of life have become kind of like the heaviest and the most unbearing moments. And I've gone, Jesus, I need you to take care of. Here it is. You know what the problem is? It's not him, but rather us. Watch. We have a casting problem. Here's what we're supposed to do. It's kind of like taking a rock and throwing it into the ocean. It goes out into the ocean, and if you go out to the ocean to go find that rock, chances are, guess what, you're not going to find. You're not going to find that rock. But here's where the problem lies. We take the fishing rod approach. We, see, we got the definition of casting wrong here. We take the fishing rod and we, we throw it out. And we can, we can have the patience enough to let it sit out there for a little bit, but then you know what? Let me check on that. Let me reel it back in. And then back out again. And we reel it back in. The problem isn't the scripture. The problem isn't God. The problem is what you and I are doing wrong. We're not taking the approach of taking the rock and throwing it into the ocean and casting the care to God and saying, God, I'm fully giving it to you. How many times have we said that verbatim in a prayer? God, I'm giving this to you. God, I'm fully giving this to you. You get up in the morning and you have an anxiety on you about what you got to do at work. And so you cast it, thinking that you're casting it. 
And before you even get to work, you've already done, worked out a plan in your mind, even though you've already prayed to God. You've already worked out a plan in your mind of how you're going to fix it. You've already called two or three people on the way to work on how to fix it. And then when you get to work, you put your fix into implementation. Where do we forget God in all of that? Where do we forget about saying, God, I'm casting my cares. I'm casting my problem. I'm casting my anxiety to you. See, it's easy because we don't want to fully let go of it. Because we think we know more than God knows. We think we have a better understanding of what is needed in our lives than what God, the creator of all beings, has a better understanding of. We think that we have the answers. You see, we just use these scriptures as a pacifying event. Something just to pacify our nerves in the moment. Not really fulfilling trusting in the word. And so we find ourselves never truly casting our cares on him, but continually reeling it in. To completely cast our cares, we must actively cease worrying and begin to actively trust in God. When is the last time, and you know what, this is probably bad because now I'm going to cause you to reel something in. But when is the last time you truly sent something to God and said, God, deal with it. I don't even want it no more. And you truly took your hands off of it. I think I've prayed that prayer at least a hundred times in the last four weeks. At what point are we going to say, God, this is yours. I need you, Lord, to take care of it. Not my plan. Not my, in, in my agenda. Not my, in my deadlines. But God, this is yours. The word worry actually comes from an old English word which means to strangle or to choke. To strangle or to choke. Every time you worry, you're strangling and you're choking the life out of your life. An anxious heart weighs a man down. To permanently release my concerns, I must do this. Number one, recognize that God cares. 1 Peter chapter 5 and 7 says this. Cast, a, cast all your care upon him because why? He cares for you. So in other words, let's kind of flip it around here a little bit. Because God cares for me, I need to cast my cares on him. So we need to recognize that God actually does what? He cares. That God truly cares. That God loves you. You know, there's, even from the highest points of this earth to the lowest depths of this earth, God is everywhere at all times. He's in every single thing. God cares about you in every aspect of your life. In every season you go through, God cares and loves you. You are the apple of his eye. In every waking moment and in every sleeping moment, you are the waking, you are the apple of his. He cares about, he even knows, the, the word says, that he, he knows what, even and then the, the number of uh, hairs on your head. Some of you don't have many. God cares. Some of you just, whatever. God cares so much about you. No problem is too big for God's ability and no problem is too small. For his attention. 
God can do anything he wants, anytime he wants, at any given moment that he wants to. The other thing is we must repent of pride. We cannot release our cares because we won't release our pride. We think we carry, we carry more if we would just keep pushing. Worry is a form of pride. Worry is a form of saying, I've got this, God. I'm not going to allow you to handle it. I've said this before. I don't know where they come up with these statistics, but I can't help but kind of believe this. 80% of what you worry about, it doesn't even come to be. So you're really just taking years off of your life over nothing? Scripture says in 1 Peter 5 and 6, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. That means his timing when what? He's ready. Cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. You cannot cast your anxiety and keep your pride. That's impossible. You can't do it. God cares about you. We must get to the spot where we need to understand, God, you have this in control. Or rather, God, I'm giving this to you for you to have control. And I'm going to step away from the issue and allow you to work whatever it is you do. You know, I, I love it sometimes when, when someone comes up to me here at the church and says, Pastor, I think we need to do this, and you know what? I'm going to make sure it gets done for you. That is a relief for me. I go, finally, all right. I'm going to watch somebody else do something around here. And they do it, and it gets done, and I'm appreciative of it. And I look back at it, and it is something that has been what? Accomplished. I wonder if we could just do the same thing when God says, this is what I want to do for you. I want to take those cares, those problems, and those anxieties away from you. Now just give it to me. Give me permission and allow me to do it. And then what do we do? Let's just step back, take our hand off of it, and watch God do what he does best. And then when he does it, we look back on it and go, that was the smartest thing I've ever done. Let God take control. Let God handle this. Let God handle my children. Praise Jesus. (laughs) Let God handle the spouse who doesn't, you know, who's not seeing eye to eye. Wow. Instead of fighting all the time. Isn't that miraculous? God, you handle this. Let God handle that boss. Instead of talking to the other coworkers about how bad they are. And then they go back to the boss saying how bad you have been talking about the boss. And let God handle the problem. Let God handle the friendship that's on the rocks instead of you trying to get involved and making more ways by talking to other friends about a friend. Let God handle it. Are you seeing this? Are you seeing where we need to let God handle some things? Oh, here's one. I don't like what they're doing in the church right now. So instead of getting involved, I'm going to talk about it with the other people in the church so I can stir a big pot. That's awesome. How about this? Let's let God handle it and see his hand move and work.
How do you kill pride? You retain your response. Re, excuse me. Retrain your response. Um, I, I talked several weeks ago that we are emotionally driven often and not spirit-led. So many people just react to what is happening around them. It begins in our emotion. A reaction comes naturally, but a response is a decision. Second uh, Peter verses 1 and 5 says this. In view of all this, make every effort to do what? Respond to God's promises. God calls us to respond, not merely to react. Respond spiritually and remind ourselves what God's wanting to to do. See, we get so driven on reacting. Now, sometimes you just can't help it. You're going to react to something. You're going to react to a problem. That's going to happen. I'm not going to tell you not to react. But don't allow your reaction to be your response. Does that make sense? Don't allow your reaction to be your response. In other words, bad news comes my way. I'm going to react, man, that stinks. That's horrible. Blah, blah, blah. Man, you know, I'm mad right now. But I'm not going to allow my madness or my disappointment to be my response. Because if that's the case, all I'm doing is just allowing more and more trouble to happen. In other words, I might be confusing you, and I'm sorry if I am. Forgive me. But if if you react in anger or disappointment, You become mad over something. I get that. I understand that. I even believe that God gets that and understands that. That's an emotion in that moment. But don't allow your emotion to become your response, which means what are you going to do now that you know what is in your your plate? How are you going to deal with it? Are you now going to allow God to get involved? Are you following me? Or are you going to allow yourself just to continually be emotionally driven in the moment? Your emotions will get you in trouble. Your emotions don't think logically. And they definitely don't think spiritually. Your emotions are driven of the now moment. Where our response needs to be driven through God's word. Our response needs to be driven through time of prayer. Our response needs to be driven through doing this. Casting our care. To him, our worry, our anxieties, our concerns. How do we do that? Immediately pray. Pray. Increase pressure. Pray. Increase problems. Pray. Things aren't working out. Pray. Things still aren't working out. Keep praying. You may be in a waiting season. You may be in a moment where God is trying to develop other things inside of you before he can give you what the promise or what the end result is or what the dream is. God is saying, pray. Don't stop praying. That's one of the reasons why we're about to go into the 21 days of prayer starting next Sunday. It's so easy to get out of prayer. I'm a Christian. I serve God. I can read his word, but it's going to be a struggle to pray. People have a hard time praying, believe it or not. Don't look surprised because you struggle with it. You struggle setting aside a time to pray with God sometimes. Through different seasons, you struggle. When the weights of anxieties and concerns are so heavy on you, you don't even want to think about God right now. So you're struggling. 
21 days of prayer that we're about to get into is one of the big things that I want you to pray about is, yes, your concerns. I get that. And that's part of the list that I have for you. But the number one thing that I'm asking that you pray for is this church for 21 straight days. Because I believe that we're nowhere near where God has us intended to go. But I also believe we're in a waiting moment. We're not going to look at should'ves or could'ves or how or why or none of that any longer. God, what are you trying to do in us? We need to refocus on today, number four. Refocus on today. You can't control any longer what happened yesterday. Stop fretting over it. Only thing you can do is what are the decisions that I'm going to make today and moving forward? How is things going to be different? First, or excuse me, 2 Peter 1 and 3 says this. By his divine power, that's exactly how things are going to be different. Not by your power. Not by your ways. Not by your mind. But it says, by his divine power, God has given us what? Everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to do what? To know him. We can live blessed now and we can live at peace today. But that's up to you. We can live blessed now and we can live at peace today. But that all boils down to your decision making. In the struggle is real. Where are you with this anxieties and worry? And concern. Are they on the top of your list? And we want to say no, God's on the top of our list. But let's be honest for a minute. Is the worry and the fretting and the anxieties and the concerns on the top of your list? I want you guys to stand with me here for a moment. I want to read a story to you. One of the things that we need to do is we need to refocus on living one day at a time. We need to move our eyes from our situations of concern and move them onto God and the provision that he has for us today. We need to refocus. We need to figure out how we're doing this casting thing. Are you taking that stone in your hand and are you throwing it into the ocean, into the sea and allowing God to do with it as he pleases? Or are you an individual who's taken on the mentality of the fishing rod? And then every now and then you reel it back in to check on it. To see if there's any progress. To see if anything's there. And then you throw it back out. And then you reel it back in. The story of uh, Corey Ten Boom. Was a young woman with an inspirational story. The Ten Booms were clockmakers in Europe. They loved Jesus and During World War II, they took in Jewish friends to hide them from the Nazis. They did all they could to prevent anyone from being captured and shipped off to a death camp. One day the Nazis found out and not only captured their Jewish friends, but also took Corey and her entire family to concentration camps. After being abused, overworked, and separated... Corey lost her entire family. I mean, you, 
you've probably heard of her, you've, you've read books on her, and there's even a movie on her, but she was the only one who survived. After being freed by the Allied troops, Corey gave the rest of her life to encouraging others that they can make it, no matter how dire the situation. And in her story, she says something so impactful. She says, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look at within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you will be at rest. It all depends on what your eyes are set on. Stop trying to fix it and to fix your eyes on Jesus. Father, I thank you. Thank you for every person, every being that's in here right now. And I thank you for their lives. And Father, Lord, it's obvious to me that you don't want us to have anxieties and worries and cares on our life. But it's also obvious to me, Lord, that we all carry them. Either now or we've carried them in other seasons. Father, your word tells us very plainly to cast our cares to you. And that's my prayer this morning is that before we leave this place, Lord, that it's a room full of people, Lord, who, are, who have decided to cast their cares on you. My prayer right now is that your Holy Spirit is dealing with individuals in this room throughout this message, throughout this entire service, where you have noted in their minds and in their hearts different things, Lord, that they have placed above you, the concerns, the anxieties, the worries. God, I pray right now that before they leave this place, that those decisions will be made to fully cast those cares to you because, Lord, you care for us. Father, we love you in Jesus' name. I hope in some way 
that this message has impacted you. I hope that when you leave this place today, you can understand that our purpose in life, and I get it, listen, I, I understand because we all go through seasons where we're, we're carrying a lot of stuff. Some of you are carrying so much, you just don't, you don't know what else to do. In fact, if you're not carrying stuff, then in your mind you're not living because you've carried so much for so long. God is saying today, look, cast your care. Cast your care on me. I don't want you to have these cares any longer. I don't want you to have these struggles any longer. I don't want to hear those, I don't want to see those prayers of despair and tears and cry any longer. I want my people to be full of joy and knowing that I am taking care of all things. But God is saying, look, I can't take care of it if you won't let me. You must take your hand fully off of it. So my prayer this morning is this. If that's you today and you want to say, Pastor Kevin, today I want to cast my care. Today I'm going to do it differently. Today, today I'm not going to the fishing rod deal no longer. I'm not going to reel these things in any longer. Today I throw it. Today I cast it into the ocean. Today I cast it to God and I pick it up no more. If that's you, I want to ask you to step out from where you are and to come down here to this front because I want us to pray together. Because I believe that there's real worry, there's real anxiety, there's real concern that real people are going through and they need God.